Well, good morning. I hope that you are tuning in, probably sitting in your living room, maybe even uh, in your pajamas. I didn't choose to wear my pajama pants today, although I think I should have. Hey, this is what we're doing in preparation for Easter. We are looking at the words of Jesus. Specifically, we're looking at the words of Jesus while he was on the cross. And we call these the red letters. They're the red letters of Jesus. He's on the cross and he spoke some words. And what I want us to do in preparation for Easter is to study some of these. Pastor Craig kicked us off last week with, with, a, with our series looking at Jesus' trust in God. And specifically, this question when Jesus said, Why, Father, have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? And so Pastor Craig talked to us about what it looks like to trust in God. And I thought that was such, such important information given uh, what's happening in our culture right now. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to be studying some of these last words, these last phrases before Jesus died on the cross. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to study from Luke chapter 23. And these words are actually some of the very first words that Jesus spoke while he was hanging on the cross. By this point, Jesus has been beaten. He has literally been humiliated. People have spit on him. He has been punched. He has been beaten with rods. He has even been flogged 39 times. And the flogging comes with this whip that had, had tails that would have bone or, or glass or pieces of steel attached to it. And so he has been, he's been brutalized. He's been beaten. He's been bloodied. He'd been, he's been mocked. And Jesus was beaten so bad that he would have been unrecognizable because of the severe blows that he's taken. And then the reason I'm sharing that with you is because you have to understand, as we look at the context of this, this has already happened. He's been beaten. He's been bloodied. He's been put on trial. He's, been, he's now been nailed to the cross. And listen to what happens in Luke chapter 23, verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And so let me set the scene for you a little bit. Here's Jesus. He stands in the middle right there, hung on this cross. He's got a criminal on his right side. He's got a criminal on his left side. And down below him are the Roman soldiers who have just bloodied him and humiliated him and beat him. And also down below him, he's got the scribes, and the Pharisees who called for his trial, and they are full of hate, and they are full of evil, and they are full of jealousy. And he says that these words were literally, literally, he says these words in the middle of all of that. And these words literally change everything. Look at this, verse 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And did you capture this? In the middle of all of this, he's been nailed to the cross. He's already been beaten and bloodied. He'd been put on trial, mocked. He's been humiliated. He's got his Roman soldiers who had done this harm to him. He's got the scribes and the Pharisees who have, who have called for the trial and for his execution. And Jesus, in the middle of all of this, says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Father, forgive them. I've got to just be honest and, and tell you that, that if it was me, that's not what I would have said. 
I would have more likely begged God to inflict harm on all of my accusers. I would have probably asked God, begged God to destroy them, to take them out, to beat them down, to bring his justice upon their lives. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. This is what I know. We all have somebody we need to forgive. We all have somebody that we're holding an offense with. We have somebody who we're holding a grudge against. And so the question for us today is this. Who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to forgive? Man, given that this is a live feed, you have the option right now to click the X and get out of it, right? And my hope is that you'll stick with us. You'll stick with me because I want to I provide us some insight into what forgiveness is really about and that forgiveness is really to free me, not necessarily the person who inflicted the harm on me. That we need to receive God's forgiveness. We need to accept God's gift of forgiveness so that we can forgive others. And so th- this is a powerful prayer that Jesus prays on the cross when he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. These are words that were part of a prophecy that were prophesied 700 years before the cross by the prophet Isaiah. Listen to this from Isaiah 53, verse 12. It says, Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and he makes intercession for the transgressors. Man, did you catch that? He makes intercessions for the transgressors. Those who have done wrong, he's praying for. That's what intercession is. Intercession is prayer. And these are the words that he prayed. He was praying, Father, praying to his God, praying to his Father. And he said, forgive them. Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. These words were more than just a prayer. They were more than just a prophecy that was fulfilled. These words literally changed everything that we know about forgiveness. They changed everything. Here's how I like to think about it. How many of you have heard of before Christ and after death, B.C. and A.D.? And so when it comes to forgiveness, I like to think in those terms. I like to think B.C. would be this. You owe me and justice is mine. In other words, you do something against me, I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to double down and pay you back. I'm going to hurt you. See, before Christ, our response to any offense would have been, you owe me and justice is mine. And there's even a law that people follow. Jesus addressed this law in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 says this. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In other words, if you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you equally. We will have, you will pay for what you've done to me. And we even have that similar response today. When someone hurts us, we get angry. We get angry and we think they owe us and we want to bring justice upon their lives. We get mad and we want to repay them. We want to get even with them. We want them to know painfully how much they have hurt us. But then you have 80 after death. And it goes more like this. God forgave me so that I will forgive you. God forgave me so that I will forgive 
you. See, Jesus taught this throughout his entire three-year ministry. Remember when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray? He said, this is therefore how you pray. This is how I want you to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Did you capture that? See, what Jesus takes, he takes forgiveness to an entire new level. He takes forgiveness to another level. No longer is it eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Instead, it's I forgive you because God has forgiven me. I forgive you because he has forgiven me. Forgiveness falls into two categories, by the way. It is something that we can receive, and it's also something that we can give. And so forgiveness is something that we get, but it's also something that we give away. I want to look at another passage in Matthew chapter 18. And by looking at Matthew chapter 18, I think we'll come to some personal conclusions about who we need to forgive and maybe how often we need to forgive. See, forgiveness is such a huge part of the cross of Jesus. Jesus hung on the cross, and while hanging on the cross, he had the ability to say, Father, forgive them. And Jesus, in one of the most critical moments in his life, he was still teaching us. And what he was doing on the cross, they're not just words. Jesus was preparing the way for the disciples and for future disciples and future followers. Jesus was showing us that everything, literally everything in what we call this new life begins with forgiveness. And so let's look at chapter 18 of Matthew. The scripture is about a servant. And the servant was forgiven. But one of Jesus' disciples, his name's Peter, and if you've been around Mountain View long, you know we've talked about Peter before. Peter, he comes to Jesus. He, he doesn't really understand forgiveness. He seems to have some questions about forgiveness. Uh, Peter's in a place where he's feeling pretty good about life, and, and he's feeling pretty good about how things are going. But Peter has some additional questions that he wants to ask Jesus about when it comes to forgiveness. So he goes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus... How often should I forgive when someone sins against me? How often, how many times should I forgive a person who sins against me? And, and Peter says, is seven enough? That's really his question. Now, we don't know for sure why Peter's asking this question. Maybe he's asking the question because he's with the other disciples and they're traveling together. And, and if you're like us, a house cooped up with a bunch of kids, it, it gets a little crazy. And maybe somebody's offended Peter. Maybe somebody has done wrong to him. Maybe he tried to buy something and he got ripped off. Regardless, Peter asked Jesus, how often should I forgive? And Jesus tells Peter, not seven times, Peter, but 77 times. Now imagine for a moment that Peter's working out in his head 77 times. Why in the world? So many times. And as Peter's grasping what Jesus has just said, Jesus starts telling a parable, a story about forgiveness. And I'm so thankful that Jesus would say things and stories so that we could understand. Look at this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. It says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and everything that he had had and the payments to be made. 
And so there's this law in the time that stated that somebody could be sold into slavery, their family and their belongings could be sold, or you could be thrown into jail until the debt was paid off. And so you got to imagine, here's this master, the king, who comes to settle his debts with his servants. And this servant owes him a lot of money, a lot of money. And the servant can't pay him. And so the master says, well, he should be sold into slavery along with his wife and his children. All their belongings should be put out to auction, and that way the payment can be made. Could you imagine what's going on in this servant's mind? Can you imagine what's going on in his heart? Can you imagine the emotion that he's experiencing? And so go on, Matthew chapter 18, verse 26. And so the servant fell on his knees, imploring the master, please, please have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him all of his debt. And so we have this incredible parable of a servant who has been freed by his master, who's been forgiven of this massive debt. To fully understand the parable, we have to understand who the characters represent in the parable. And so who are the characters here? Well, you have the master, and who does the master represent? The master represents God. And you have the servant, and in the parable, the servant represents me and represents you. It represents us. And so as we look at this parable so far, I think there's some critical lessons for the servants. There's some critical lessons for us. And the first one is this. The debtor cannot always repay the offended. The one who owes may not be able to repay. And we have to understand that some scholars actually believe that this debt would have been worth millions in today's currency that we're talking millions of dollars in today's currency, and that, and that the servant, he couldn't even pay back a little bit. He definitely couldn't pay back all of it. And so often, the person who hurts me, the person who hurts us, the person who offends us, the person who betrays us, the person who we should have been able to trust, but we can't trust anymore, they often cannot repay us. Look again at Matthew 18. When he began to settle... One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold. Did you catch that? He could not pay. And what we have to understand is that we all have a debt. You have a debt. I have a debt that we can't repay. And of course, I'm not talking about our mortgage or our car payment or that thing that you just bought because you were bored in your living room for easy payments of $39.99 that you're now regretting that you bought. But I'm talking about a different kind of debt. And the debt I'm talking about is a sin debt. It's our sin. And Jesus, he has paid our debt. He has paid for that sin. In most of our life stories, there is a debtor that we cannot pay. There's a debtor that we cannot repay. We, we broke confidence. There's been an argument. There's been a betrayal. There's been a hurt. Somebody's taken advantage of you. And the person who hurt us and the person who offended us and the person who took advantage of us and the person who betrayed us, they, they can't go back in time. They can't undo what they did. And they may not be able to pay us back what we deserve. They can't always fix it. 
What is done has happened. And it's done. Now, this is where it gets messy. And this is where you can be tempted to go ahead and log out. Stay with me. Because there's a second lesson. And it's the most important lesson that we can learn. And this is the second lesson. The offended, the betrayed, the hurt, can always show mercy. You and I. Although we've been hurt and although we've been betrayed and although we've been offended, we can always show mercy. We have mercy to show. And sometimes we show mercy and the offended may or may not even know that we're showing them mercy. Look at verse 27 of Matthew 28. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. Great mercy was shown. The servant has been forgiven a huge amount of debt. He is free. He no longer has the bondage of the debt. Everything is paid off. He is free and clear. He's good to go. And this is what happens. The servant who had just been forgiven this massive debt, maybe millions of dollars in today's currency, he runs across another servant. This servant owes him, the servant, $1,000. And the servant grabs him. And the next thing you know, the servant is choking this servant who owes him $1,000, not millions, $1,000, begins to choke him, demanding that he makes payment immediately. And could you imagine being free and clear of millions of dollars only to attack someone who owed you $1,000? Like picture this in your mind. The servant who was just forgiven this massive debt, he turns around and he demands payment from another servant. And the servant who owes him falls on his knees and begins to beg with the forgiven servant for patience. And the forgiven servant refuses to offer any patience. Instead, has him thrown in jail until the payment is made. What I want you to understand is this. There is a consequence for unforgiveness. We will face consequences for unforgiveness. The master who had just forgiven the servant of his big debt hears about this. And because the other servants told him about it, the master had forgiven the huge debt, calls the forgiven servant into him. Listen to what happens. Matthew 18, verse 32. And then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also, Jesus gives us application. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Remember, who's the master in the parable? God's the master. I have to ask myself some questions to capture the full application of this entire parable, the story that Jesus told. And the first question that I'm asking myself is, why would the master be so harsh and say these harsh things? What I know is this, it's because the master, because God, he knows unforgiveness puts me in prison. He understands that when I am unable to forgive, when I refuse to forgive, it locks me up. 
Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die from it. Unforgiveness is being chained and bound and locked up and, and controlled. And so the question that I have to ask is, what about you? What about you? Are you in prison? What unforgiveness do you have that has to be dealt with? Listen, I'm not asking you to deal with unforgiveness because it's going to help the person who needs the forgiveness. I'm asking you to deal with your unforgiveness because it will help you. It will help you. It will benefit you. It'll make you free. It will free you from all. And I'm asking you to deal with your unforgiveness because it will benefit you, not so much the person who hurt you or the person who betrayed you, the person who lied to you, the person who took from you, the person who took advantage of you. See, forgiveness, it unlocks the doors and it breaks the chains that are holding me and holding you captive. And I realize that what I'm asking you to do is hard. I realize when it comes to this topic of forgiveness, it's not easy for us to do. There are some of you, because I've heard some of your stories, you've been deeply hurt, deeply hurt. You were taken advantage of. You've been abused. You've been treated poorly. You, you were hurt. You've experienced pain that's unimaginable for most of us. And so when it comes to this topic, I realize that when I ask for you to consider forgiving others... It's personal, and it's hard. And so the question that we have to ask is this. What do you do when it's hard to forgive? So what do you do when it's hard to forgive? How do I forgive that person? And honestly, I don't have a seven-step plan for you. I wish I did. I don't have three simple, easy steps for you to take. I don't even have a book that you can buy for one easy payment of $19.99 on forgiveness. I, I, I don't. But what I do have is I think we've got some answers to this question. What do you do when it's hard to forgive? What do you do? How do I forgive the abuse that I experienced? And how do I forgive the betrayal of someone who should have been safe? And how do I forgive the affair? And how do I forgive the lies? And how do I forgive when it's so hard to forgive? And all I can tell you is that my own journey of forgiveness, by the way, it's still incomplete. I'm still working it out. I'm, I'm just like you. I'm on a journey and I'm, and I'm working things out. But this is what I had to do. I had to see Jesus' love for me. I had to see how much he loved me, how much he cared about me, how much he loved me. And I started to grasp that what Jesus did on the cross was huge and that it changed this topic of forgiveness forever. And I began to see how Jesus on the cross, he carried my pain and he carried my hurt and he carried my betrayal and he carried every offense and he carried every sin imaginable to man and he carried every evil thing with him when he died on the cross. And I began to comprehend that he took it all because of his love for me. He took it all because of his love for you. He took it all because he loved us so much. And not for a moment do I minimize the pain that you're in and the hurt that you've had. And as bad as it was, I do not minimize it. And I wish that we had a time machine where we could go back and we could change the circumstances and we could undo all of that hurt and all of that pain and all of that abuse and all of those things that have happened to us. What I know 
what I can stand firm on, and what I believe is Jesus' love is greater than any of that pain. And so whatever amount of pain you've experienced, his love is greater than that. Whatever abuse you've experienced, Jesus' love is still greater than that. No matter what treatment you've experienced and betrayal, Jesus' love is still greater than that. I have to believe that Jesus' love is greater than any offense. Any offense. As hard as it is to understand, forgiveness really is a choice. And I know that a lot of us, we'd rather forget about it, we'd rather just manage it, or we'd rather just pretend that it's not there. But we have to take steps to forgive. And my challenge for you today is take steps to forgive. Why? Because Jesus, he'll deal with the offender. But we have to deal with us. Scripture's clear. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 33, it says this, And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Again, imagine God saying to us, should you not have mercy on other people in your life because I have shown you mercy? In, in Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount. Remember this? For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I don't know if Jesus was serious or not, but it sounds pretty serious to me that Jesus wants those of us who are in him to forgive those who offended us, who hurt us, who betrayed us. So here's the challenge. I'm going to challenge every one of us to take a step today. Take one step toward forgiveness. One simple step. And I think that we see it with Jesus on the cross when he began to pray. He said, Father, forgive them. And maybe your step today, maybe your very first step can be pray. Just pray. Maybe you need to ask God to draw near to you as you seek him. Maybe it is letting Jesus, the king of the universe, for the very first time, capture your heart and offer you forgiveness that you can accept. God will begin changing our hearts. No matter where you are today in your faith journey, no matter what step you're in, will you please, please today take a step toward forgiveness? in prayer. Just begin praying. Why? Because I don't want any of us to be held prisoners. I don't want us to be held captive. I don't want us to be bound together by chains because it only increases the suffering that you've already experienced. I want the suffering to stop. I want the pain to stop. I don't want it to be perpetual and continual. And, and the way we stop it is we begin to forgive. Because God is in the business of freeing us and making us free. And so for our prayer time today, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to picture the person. Picture the person who's hurt you, who offended you, who betrayed you, who abused you, who made you suffer, who brought tears to your life who devastated your life? Can you picture that person right now, the person, the one person that you need to forgive? And maybe for some of us, it's, it's years and years ago, but maybe it's just this past week. 
Maybe just this past week being locked up in the house together. Maybe at your workplace, somebody said something. Maybe just this week, can you picture the person who's hurt you, who has offended you, who betrayed you? The one you need to forgive. And, and let's, let's think about them as I pray for us right now to take this first step. God, we come to you with an image of a person in our minds. God, what I'm doing right now is I'm leading us into a place where we can pray a prayer of forgiveness for that person. And so, God, right now I'm praying a prayer for forgiveness for these people who are on our mind right now. And, God, I believe by your power and through your Spirit that we can have action steps today and that we can begin to forgive today. And even though we may not feel like it, Jesus modeled for us forgiveness on the cross. He'd been beaten, he'd been bloodied, he'd been flogged, and he's been beaten with rods, and, and he'd been mocked, and he'd been put on trial. People spit on him and threw things at him. And then he gets nailed to the cross. And on the cross, in between two criminals... And surrounded by the Roman soldiers who abused him and beat him. And the scribes and the Pharisees who put him on trial and mocked him. He looked to you and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And God, I want to be like Jesus. I want for our, our church family, Mountain View people to be like Jesus. And that we would forgive when it counts most just like Jesus did. And so today, although this is a process and it'll be a journey, God, we've got that person in our mind and we're going to take a step today and we're just going to pray for them. We're going to say to you, God, please forgive them. And in the midst of that prayer, God, would you open up the prison cell? Would you break the chains? Would you unlock whatever has been holding us captive so that we might be free? And may we continue to always show mercy just like you've shown mercy to us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. What I'd like to do next, just because I'm picturing Jesus on the cross praying this prayer is I would like for us to take communion together. Every week at Mountain View, we normally would gather together and pass these trays. We're not going to do that today. So I, I would invite you to just get up, go to your kitchen, grab some crackers, grab something to drink, what, whatever it is, a piece of bread, whatever you need. Today I've got Chex cereal and some juice. And so go grab something and let's, let's have a time of communion together. I'm going to give you a moment to do just that. As Jesus was on the cross the night before he was on the cross, he reminded us that when we break bread, we'd remember what he accomplished on the cross. And he tore bread, if you remember, and he passed it around to his disciples. And he said, here, eat this bread and eat it in remembrance of me. And so although I've got a piece of Czech cereal I want you to take whatever you have, the crackers, the bread, the goldfish, whatever it might be. It's not about what you're eating. It's about what we're representing right now. 
But he took it. He said, here, eat this and remember me. And so would you take whatever you have and, and eat it now, remembering that this is the body of Jesus broken for you? Whatever you grab to drink, I have grape juice here. Whatever you have, would you take it and would you drink it? Remembering that this is the blood of Jesus that has been shed out for you, that's been poured out so that your stains might be made white as snow through his blood. now would you just take a moment and thank him thank him for the mercy that he gave to us God thanks so much for showing us your love even in the midst of the hardship of the cross. You showed us how to live. You showed us what to do, especially when it mattered most. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his example. Thank you for all that the cross has accomplished. Thank you for breaking us free. Thank you for canceling our debt. Thank you for forgiveness and mercy. In grace, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, church, we're going to worship here in just another minute. And while the team's coming up and getting ready, just want to remind you that you can continue to interact with us. We can still be family over our website. We encourage you to submit prayer requests to us today, uh, anytime this week. I just go straight there, uh, click on the Submit a Prayer Request tab, and we'd love to hear those things for you. Send those out to our prayer time um, and allow us to be praying alongside with you. Uh, parents would love for you to uh, connect with the website, and Katie has been working on uh, getting curriculum together that the kids would have been doing uh, here in class today. That will be available to you uh, online on Parent Page uh, and some activities. She's going to be putting some videos up there. So I... Uh, Go back to the website uh, later today, sometime this week, with your kids and interact in that way. Uh, thank you for continuing to give online, uh, sending your checks in. Um, some of you stopped by this last week. We really appreciate that. But uh, interact with us. Continue to be the church together, even though we couldn't assemble together today. Uh, let's be together uh, this way or even through uh, talking and connecting with your group. But let's finish out this morning in worship. <clears throat> 